You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to your Virginia Tech preview here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Rocky, Tim Leonard, we've got you all things Hokies and Orange today because this is a big game, Tim, for Syracuse. Again, we've talked about this a lot. Syracuse has yet to really pick up that signature win so far this season, and this feels like one of those opportunities to do that. But before we get into all things Hokies and Orange, go out and check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. We will be tweeting along during this game. And then also, be sure if you are new to the show, hit that subscribe button as well. You'll get fresh Orange content in your feed every single morning, Monday through Friday. We're here with you every single weekday on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Before we do get into the preview for this game, just a couple of things I want to hit off the top. Some good news for Orange fans. I guess more so good news for Orange students, Syracuse yeah. students, because there are now, look. it's looking like more and more, according to Onondaga County Executive Ryan McMahon, no, not the, the former Louisville sharpshooter, but it's looking more and more like Syracuse students will be allowed into games at some point this season. Kind of in conjunction with what we've seen in Buffalo with the Buffalo Bills allowing some fans into games for the playoffs. But it's starting to look like Syracuse might be getting some students in the building, which I think will will be a good experience for the students, and I'm sure the, the players themselves will appreciate that as well. Yeah, I think it's maybe in the next month is kind of the timetable, though it's still very early on. Ryan McMahon admitted as much that they're still sort of figuring out how this will go down, how much testing will be required, all that. I know if you're a student on campus right now, you can walk into the Dome anytime that there's not a game going on and get tested and get results pretty quickly. So I feel like that's probably why they're limiting it to students because they have the ability to get tested right now. And like you said, this is kind of following that Buffalo Bills framework, which actually was great. And it's great to see that the Bills did get some of those diehard fans in there for the playoff games. Yeah, so six games left at the Dome to close out the season, but two of them are in the next week. So probably, I mean, there's not a ton of games for these students to get in, but again, some of them are seniors. Sometimes you want to have that last moment in the Dome too, and I get there's a pandemic and all, but there is a way to make this work. There, there certainly is, especially with the size of the Dome. I think there is certainly a way to make this work. And then one more quick thing, uh, Rex Culpepper announced that he will not be coming back to Syracuse next year. He was given that free option to to come back as a, a player for Syracuse football, but the the quarterback will not be returning. Going to be a crowded quarterback room. If Rex Culpepper was going to have a spot on this team, it was probably going to be on special teams in some sort of capacity, but no Rex Culpepper on the roster next year. Again, super bright kid. We've talked about this all yeah. the time on the show. One of the sharpest kids you'll find on that team. And a lot of people from all the journalists you talk to, they love talking to him. So he's going to be successful in, in something, whatever he decides to do after after school. And who knows, that might be in the realm of football, whether it's coaching or something like that. But Rex Culpepper. Uh, I think he'll just be now. building Doom buggies, right? He'll just yeah, set up his own Doom buggies, <laughs> maybe a freelance at the, he'll do live music at local bars and stuff like that because he's a, a great guitarist as well. So all that stuff um, is he's a better guitarist than Andre Schmidt. Remember when Sterling Hoffrichter came on our show and talked about how Andre Schmidt knew oh, how to only right. play yeah. one song. I think it was like Island in the sun or something like that. Um, or Isle of the rising sun. And he, he can only play the one song, but it seems like 
Rex has his his, uh, his fingers tuned to more than one beat. All right, let's get into Virginia Tech here. And I think we start with this conversation of how are the rotations going to shake out for Syracuse? Because largely, I think that's going to be what determines this game. We saw Kadari Richmond go in last game and absolutely dominate in all assets. You look at the the defensive side of the ball. He was picking up steals left and right. You look offensively. He was running the offense. I won't say to perfection, but he was running the offense as well as we've seen it this year, whether it was facilitating, getting to the rim, all that stuff. He needs minutes in this game. He needs minutes, and he needs them early, too, if this team wants to to go out and beat a ranked team. It would be so sick if Beheim started him, but that's probably never going to happen in a million years. (laughs) So, no, but the more I looked into Virginia Tech, this is a matchup that really... Kadari's an asset for Syracuse in this game because Virginia Tech, the part that really scares me about them is they have capable shooters. They have an offense that runs shooters around screens a lot. You think back to Jalen Cohn last year and how he lit up Syracuse. He's back. And they've added some more weapons as well in terms of shooters. So they need Kadari's length at the top of the zone. They need him to prevent that high post pass. And I really hope we see a lot of Kadari early and often in this game. I tweeted out some stats from our account yesterday on just how effective he has been at scoring at the rim and getting to the rim. He's shooting 41% of his shots right now at the rim and 76% clip in terms of his field goal percentage on shots at the rim. That is the best mark in terms of field goal percentage and the highest percentage of shots from a guard in recent memory of Syracuse guys, really going back to 2011, which is as long back as hoop math tracks this stuff. And that's where I got all the data from. But Basically, the bottom line is this. He's getting to the rim and finishing at a very, very strong clip. It's only been 12 games, but when you compare him to recent Syracuse guards, he's in elite category there, and Joe Girard is the worst in terms of field goal percentage at the rim. So I'd like to see Girard off the ball more, and I'd like to see the formula that works so well against Miami. And when you look at the field goal percentage for him, like the it's not great especially he's held back by the three-point shooting but it's the long twos and the threes that really hurt him but like you said when he gets to the rim he is super effective I think one more thing in this matchup why Kadari is so important we know how much Alan Griffin struggles handling the ball Joe Girard struggles handling the ball Buddy Bayheim, to a degree I think also struggles handling the ball Kadari doesn't and this Virginia Tech team we've seen them in the past when they beat Syracuse It's because they get physical with the guards, they disrupt, they cause turnovers at the top, and you never really see the offense get into rhythm. They're taking off-balance shots and poor shot selection. So Kadari, I think, is going to be one of those guys. He's going to be important because he can take care of the basketball. And when he's doing that, that's what's going to let the Syracuse team ultimately thrive offensively, is he's not going to turn over the ball. He's going to be a steady force at the top, commanding the offense, and that's what's going to let this team thrive. Because when they run through Kadari, they run very well. And I think the same can be said about Marek too. When they're running through those two guys, the offense is functioning at its best. Yeah, and Virginia Tech is going to try to slow Syracuse down in this game as well, which I think favors Kadari. I know he's great once he gets And by that you mean and- pace-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he is more of a true point guard. He runs the offense better. There's more passing when he's out on the floor. And Virginia Tech is going to force Syracuse to work into their offensive sets. When you just look at their numbers, their average possession length of what they're allowing defensively is right around 18 seconds of possession, according to Ken Palm. That's 308th in the country. So Syracuse, we know, likes to play up-tempo this year. 
They like to get the ball up court quicker. They're 26 in the country in average possession length on offense. So that's a clash in styles. It's how effective can Syracuse be if Virginia Tech tries to get them out of their tempo and slow the game down a little bit. And when the game slows down, I like the guy that can get inside the lane a lot more effectively and score at the rim, as I said earlier, a lot more effectively. And it's not even a Kadari versus Joe thing. I think Joe still has a great role off the ball and can still make a lot of important plays coming around screens, hitting those mid-range shots, hitting some threes. Same with Buddy. So I just hope that Bayheim comes out with, I mean, he's got to come out with Gerard and, and Buddy, but I hope that if it gets... Can I counter with this? You know, I, I started to think about this. I think there's a possibility. There's a shot. Not a great yeah. chance, but a possibility. Maybe you see Kadari in for Alan Griffin. Right. Could you see that? That would be the only... I, I'd love to see that. If you know, I was the coach, I said earlier there's no chance that, that he's shaking up the starting lineup, but now that I thought about it a little bit, I think there's a possibility for that. And there's certainly a possibility for an early hook for one of Buddy, Joe, Allen. And like if they're the way, out in the first two minutes, I, I would yeah. not be shocked. I actually, he should make this a starting lineup. The more that you think about it, because and he better go to this lineup at some point where Buddy's at the forward and he's got Kadari and Joe at the top and Joe working off ball because that was their best lineup in the Miami game. In Virginia Tech's makeup, they've added a little bit more size this year and they've added some post defense and they've gotten some more rebounding out of this team last year. Remember last year they were all guards, but they're still a very guard heavy team. So. And a lot of their guards are right around six feet, six one, six two. So it doesn't concern me if you have Joe and Kadari in there and maybe you lose some rebounding in Allen Griffin and you put Buddy at the forward spot. Maybe on paper that lineup would struggle against a UNC. Having Buddy, who's typically a guard, play the forward spot and take a dip in rebounding. I'd re- I'd really want to see that three guard lineup in this game often. And Allen Griffin, I, I really like his potential, but He's not giving you a whole lot on either end right now in the positive variety. I think he he could break out for a big game here soon. I'm sure he got a stern talking to from the coaching staff, and he'll be working on the things that he needs to work on. But at this point, if Griffin shows any signs of doing the things that has caused problems early on, you've got to go to Richmond, and you've got to go to that three-guard lineup at some point. And I got to say this. This is a nightmare matchup for Alan Griffin because – he, whenever he puts the ball on the deck, it, it feels like it ends up in, in someone else's hands at some point or, or later in the, the possession. And this is a Virginia Tech team. They like to get on you on defense, and they like to force turnovers too. So they're, they're fifth in turnover percentage in the conference right now. So that's something to watch for. I don't think Alan Griffin is the surest of handed ball handlers on this team, and that's something that you might see a lot of Kadari early on because of that. All right, it's coming up. It's the NFL Conference Championship weekend. I know you guys are excited, Bills fans, but this is the only place to get in all your weekend wagers and the only place we trust. It's betonline.ag. Right now, you can sign up today for a free account. Just go to betonline.ag. Use our promo code LOCKEDON and you will get a 50% welcome bonus. You throw in $100, you're going to get 50 to play with on the house. There's so many great games this weekend, whether it's the NFL, if you like the Bills, you like the Chiefs, the Packers, the Bucks, all that stuff, you can go and bet on it right now. Money lines, totals, and even some futures bets if you want to get on that action as well. And they've already got Super Bowl lines out, so go check them out, betonline.ag. Hey, they're even going to have lines for this game that we're talking about right now, Syracuse, Virginia Tech. 
full weekend of college basketball, NBA, NHL, whatever you want, they've got it at betonline.ag. Be sure to go to betonline.ag, get in on the action, and don't forget that promo code. That's important. Use our promo code locked on. Not just important for us, it's important for you. You're going to get free money to play with. So use that promo code locked on. You will get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Looking at Virginia Tech personnel wise in this game, you brought up the height earlier and, and how they're not a huge team. And I think that's something that. Syracuse can really use to their advantage in this game. The Hokies are 255th in, in size in the country right now. So you're going to be able to get away with some smaller lineups in this. You might even maybe see a little bit of, of Quincy at the at the five. But definitely Marek and, and Jesse out there, they're going to have a, a very significant height advantage when you've got guys that are seven foot or hovering around seven foot going up against, I mean, the biggest guy that they're going to throw out there is Kiva Luma. And he's going to be out there a lot for them, but he he's at six foot nine. So you're always going to have the height advantage. And this isn't a spectacular rebounding team for, for Virginia Tech. It's either. solid though. I, I was a little well, bit I will surprised. say this in conference, in conference play, the Hokies, when the size starts to really matter and you're not taking advantage of the, the, the six, seven centers of the, the lower level uh, D1 ranks, they're 11th in offensive rebounding percentage. So the, 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 I know the, the overall numbers look pretty good for them, but when you condense it down to conference only, they have not performed quite to the level that they were earlier in the season. Yeah, this is a Virginia Tech team just kind of giving the general stats on them. They're 35 in Ken Palm. They are 1-1 one one in Quad 1 games. They beat Villanova at Mohegan Sun, Bubbleville, whatever they were calling it at the start of the year. Kind of similar to how they beat Michigan State and Maui last year, but they've kind of held it together much, much better after a good November from Mike Young. Again, Once they again, lost. Yep. Yeah, they lost at Louisville, which is their other quad one game, and that puts them one and one in quad one. They're one and one in quad two with the win over Clemson, which looks really good still. Pretty good. I mean, Clemson struggled a little bit of late, but it's the ACC and it's been hard to figure out. And then Penn State. A loss to them in the ACC Big Ten Challenge where they got run out of the gym, that's their really most puzzling loss that just doesn't fit with what they've had the rest of the year. Their other five games, or other wins, have all come against Quad 3 and Quad 4, and they've just dominated Quad 3 and Quad 4 this season. So for Syracuse, 35 in Kempom is Virginia Tech. This is an opportunity to pick up what could be a Quad 2, maybe even a Quad 1 win when it's all said and done. It is at home, so I guess Quad 2, but hard to say for sure. And I do think they're a similar team to what they were last year because they're going to shoot threes, and that's the part that scares me the most when they go against the 2-3 zone, and that's how they exposed Syracuse a little bit. Last year was shooting the basketball. They shot it 34% as a team from three against Cuse in two games last year. But Jalen Cohn, who I brought up earlier, was 9 for 15 in those two games, and they split the two games last year. Actually, Syracuse won at Blacksburg, and Cuse lost at home 67-63, which was kind of the rock bottom point of the season January 7th when they lost that game last year to kind of jog people's memory but they do have a little bit more size and a little bit more rebounding than maybe you would think given that they have added some pieces this year and Aluma is that big piece that they've added the Wofford transfer right and he's the big man that you're going to have to contain down low and that's going to be the ultimate challenge for this Syracuse team but not just that I'm glad you brought up the three-point shooting as well because here's how I look at Virginia Tech as a three-point shooting team You've got a couple guys who can really shoot it, 
and then a couple of guys who are going to take them, but they cannot really make them. I mean, you look at guys like Wabisa Beatty, he's shooting 27%. Kiva Luma shooting 30%. Terese Radford, he's at 22%. Justin Mutz, 31%. But then you've got guys like Jalen Cohn, 39%. Hunter Couture, that's the name you need to watch because he's the one that's going to be marked a lot. And whenever he's on the floor, just know he's out there for a catch and shoot three a lot of the time. But he's hovering around 50%. So those are really the two guys that you, two or three guys, if you throw uh, Naheem Aline's name in there as well, that you got to watch on the floor. Because we know that when you are Syracuse's defense and you lose track of one or two of these shooters, or when the ball is flying around the court and the zone is out of whack and everyone's running around with their heads cut off, that's when this zone gets exposed. So you got to be up on shooters, know where they are at all times on the floor, and then I think the Syracuse team can actually compete pretty well with a Virginia Tech. Yeah, I I actually kind of like how they match up in this game, and the reason why is because as we've documented, while sometimes it feels like this isn't the case, Syracuse as a defense against three-point shooting has been good this year. They're 26 in the nation. Teams are shooting just below 29% against Best them. Best in the three. ACC, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... You know, they haven't played the toughest schedule of all times to this point. So maybe that's a little misleading. But the way that they handled Miami, who is not the same caliber of shooting team as Virginia Tech, is promising. BC, same thing. It's Is it going to be like Pitt or is it going to be like Miami in terms of what we're going to get from the top of the zone? But I do think the top of the zone problems are probably discussed a little bit too much when really it's the back half of the zone that has been seen to decline the past two years more than even the top of the zone has, which is still declined because the whole zone has had its flaws, as we know. But I I like how the matchup is when you factor in that Kadari should play more minutes than he's been getting on average to this point in the year because Kadari played so well last last game, and you think Beheim would finally realize that what the Twitter mafia has been claiming for is is <laughs> really substantiated. Yeah, that's going to be my matchup really to watch in this game is how Kadari, like, first of all, who picks up Kadari on offense? Because it looks like, I mean, there's not a lot of huge players on this Virginia Tech team. I mean, the, the guys that are going to be playing significant minutes and getting the ball in their hands a lot, Jalen Cohn, I mean, Tyrese Radford, Naheem Aline, Wabisa Beauty in terms of the guards, those guys are all much smaller than Kadari Richmond. I think that kind of helps out for Joe Girard too because the guys that Girard's going to uh, draw, Jalen Cohn, 5'10", Wabisa Beatty, 6'1". We've seen when Girard's got some of these smaller guys on him, he's going to feel a lot more confident, and, and I think that's going to help him, especially with Kadari bringing up so much attention. Wabisa Beatty is basically their Kadari Richmond. I know he's not the size and length defensively, right. but he's mm-hmm. a good defender. And also the reason why I relate the two is because he's a great passer, he's really smart, and he can't shoot at all, really. And teams yeah. <laughs> have actually sagged off him kind of the way that they sag off Kadari. Now it's a 2-3 zone, so you don't really, well, you won't see that against Wabisabidi in this game. But Hunter Couture, Jalen Cohn, the two names to watch from three you mentioned, they just run off screens all day. And what they're very good at is shooting on the run. Like, they'll catch it. They won't dribble, but they'll be on the move very quickly and take a contested three, and it's like, whoa, that's a bad shot, but they'll make it. It's it's very similar to Fletcher McGee, and the reason why I bring up that name, and 
that's kind of a deep cut college basketball diehards will remember yeah, that whoa. name. But yeah, but, it, but he's he's Wofford, and that was Mike Young's offense at Wofford. Was right. mm-hmm. we're going to get the ball to Fletcher McGee, and he's going to shoot these contested threes on the run, and that's what Couture will do. I'm not saying he's as good as Fletcher McGee; he was one of the best shooters in the country. But Jalen Cohn and Couture are two of the best shooters in the ACC, and if you can keep them in check then the rest of the matchup is really favorable for Syracuse. I don't think there's going to, like, Aluma can give them problems down low. They might lose the rebounding battle, but I don't think there's potential to just be totally exposed on the boards to the degree that you could against You're going to be the bigger ACC. team. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so, like if, if UNC was playing against Virginia Tech, UNC is going to win that rebounding battle to the same magnitude and maybe even a little bit more than they did against Syracuse. No, I, I would agree with that. It's And Radford, we can talk a little bit about him. He just does a lot of little things, Tyrese Radford. He's 6'1", but he's also a really good rebounder for them. I yeah, he's kind of like Griffin. Yeah. yeah, he's one yeah, of those guards who just has a, a nose for the ball, especially on the offensive side. He's He's got one of the, the better offensive rebounding noses in the entire country, especially from the guard position. All right. We will, we've given you numbers all, all show long, and now it's time for Anthony DeBundo to give you his. This is Anthony DeBundo in DeBundo's Digits. The numbers you need to know. Anthony DeBundo breaks down the biggest stats for this week's Syracuse matchup. DeBundo's Digits. If you ain't taking stats, stick the f- out the class. On the Locked On Syracuse podcast. College basketball fans may remember the legendary 2019 Wofford Terriers, a 10th seed in the NCAA tournament that finished 30-5 and and was the best three-point shooting team in the country. They nearly upset Kentucky in the second round. Well, that season earned Mike Young the Virginia Tech job, and the Hokies are already improving and taking the mold of his philosophy in year two. They're not a big team, ranking number 255 in height, but they are an above-average rebounding team. They love to shoot the three, ranking 72nd in percentage of shots from behind the three-point line. The Hokies aren't an elite shooting team, ranking 110th in three-point percentage, and they can win without it as they beat Wake Forest in their last game despite shooting just 20% from three. I mentioned that Wofford team because the Hokies' most important player followed Young from Wofford to Virginia Tech. Keve Aluma is the Hokies' leading rebounder, most efficient offensive player, best shot blocker, and most used player. It's a similar profile to Quincy Guerrier, and I'm really excited to watch these two go at it on the inside on Saturday. Aluma is an extremely effective at getting to the line, so it'll be a battle between VT and Qs to see who can get the other team's star player in foul trouble first. The Hokies have two excellent jump shooters that the zone will need to worry about. 5'10", Jalen Cohn is shooting 39% from three this year, and guard Hunter Cantor ranks 50th at 48.8% from beyond the arc. The Hokies are the second slowest paced team the Orange have faced all year, so don't expect this game to be nearly as up and down as recent games have been. Only Niagara plays at a slower tempo of the Orange's first 10 opponents. It'll be a good warm-up for Virginia on Monday, who is the slowest team in the nation. Ken Palm says that Syracuse has a 55% chance to win and beat Virginia Tech by a projected score of 71-70. Bart Torvik gives the Orange a 65% chance to win by a projected 72-69 score. And one interesting trend about the Hokies is that they get to the line more than any other team in the conference besides Pittsburgh. The Panthers got to the line a ton in the second meeting with Syracuse and was a major reason they hung 96 on the Cuse. VT loves to get to the line and could test the Orange's bench depth if someone gets into foul trouble. The Orange ranked 14th out of 15th themselves in getting to the line, 
but they do rank second in free throw shooting percentage to help make up for the difference there in number of trips to the line. If the season ended today, Bart Torvik projects Virginia Tech as a nine seed, so with Virginia looming on Monday, Saturday would be an ideal time for the Orange to pick up their first win over an NCAA tournament caliber team. All right, our thanks as always to Anthony DeBundo. You can go check out his work at The Daily Orange and also find him on Twitter at Anthony DeBundo. He he loved those those hoop math numbers that you threw out there. He's even taking credit for for our love yeah. of analytics now too. I don't think he, he gets full credit. I think uh, we enable him, which uh, enables all of us, I think is right. the best way he to put it. He pushed it out of me a little. I'll give him some credit. Yeah. And I, I need to get some advice from him on how to maybe clean up the process. It took me like 20 minutes to get this Excel graph going, and I'm sure DeBundo <laughs> has, has got it all down, so I need to reach out to him for some help Weren't you like that. a business minor? Did, did you never dabble in the, the extensive Excel graphs and all that stuff? Yeah, see, I was a marketing minor, but marketing, I think you know that my attention was more on on the broadcasting classes at Syracuse at the end. Yeah, of I think day. I think you were like uh, knee deep in, in SyracuseFan.com when uh, whenever you were in those marketing classes as opposed to <laughs> the, the powerpoints that were on the screen. All right, yeah. coming up next, it's our favorite segment of the week. It is the prop shop. We're gonna make our picks and our hypothetical picks for this Syracuse matchup against Virginia Tech. That's coming up next. All right, time for the prop shop here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tim, last week it was a better week that for for me than most, and for you, you you, you continued to to make your run at uh, at gaining some ground on me. So we'll we'll take a quick look at the numbers from a week ago. Again, this is the prop shop where we make our real live Syracuse picks with the game and the spread, and then. Also, we have our our hypothetical picks as well for the upcoming game. Some some fun props that we like to scrap together. So last week we both hit the over on the Syracuse made threes of nine and a half. So good on us. More minutes, Kadari or Joe. We both said Joe, but was a little closer than I think you and I both expected it to be. Leading scorer, you hit on well, you kind of hit. I kind of on hit. Buddy. Yeah. Buddy and Joe each tied with 23 in that game, so we're going to dead heat rule you here and give you You split the odds, so you're going to get a plus 110. I'll so take nice it. job to you there. You got to take it. Whenever you, whenever you get something, you got to take it. And then we each took Miami with the points. Syracuse, you know the story. They go blow them out. And then I went with the under. You went with the over. And it was just slightly under at 140 of the 143 it was set at. All right. This time around, we start on the boards with Virginia Tech. The rebounding margin, we're going to set the line here at plus four. Will Virginia out-rebound Syracuse by four or less? I'm going to say slight under for Syracuse, and this is obviously a telltale stat for how they will fare in this game. But Virginia Tech rebound margin right now, 91st in the country. They're plus four in rebound margin, and Syracuse is dead even in rebound margin at zero in the season. So that is the fancy math that got me to that prop shop number. Syracuse is like 212, 215, somewhere around there in rebound margin. They haven't really been exposed to the degree that they were last year. There was just that Pitt-UNC stretch that was really bad, but even Georgetown-Miami was fine. I think they were up in the rebound battle against Miami last time out, so I think they can hang with Virginia Tech, given that, yeah, they have more size, but it's still a guard-oriented team. I'm with you. I think that this is going to be a team that... I think Syracuse can actually win this rebounding battle. And here's the big reason why. I do think that this could be a big game for Quincy. He's not going to draw the biggest guy 
or the most physical guy on the on the boards. And we see him with these offensive putbacks and these second opportunities that he creates. I think this could be a really big Quincy game. I'm talking like a, a 19 and 14 sort of game for him. And, and that's what I'm looking for. So I, I'm going to take Syracuse to cover that rebounding margin. All right, next up, Kadari Richmond. We're not going to dive into whether or not he's going to start, how many minutes he's going to play, all that stuff. We want to know the assist number for this kid. Four and a half is what we're going to set it at. He's averaging a little over three and a half right now. But Kadari Richmond, are you going to take the over or under four and a half assists coming off an eight assist performance against Miami? I, I mean, you have to take the over. The Kadari Kool-Aid, I can't get enough of it right now. Just like everyone else that's probably listening to this podcast, I'm never going to bet against the kid the way he's been playing and how much that he's made a difference when he's been in the game. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take the over for him. I hope that... He does not get baited into taking long twos in this game. I think Virginia Tech is going to approach it that way. And that's honestly how Virginia Tech guarded a lot of teams last year because they did not have rim protectors to the degree that they did last year. So they kind of packed you in and and really laid back. They're not going to do that against Gerard and Beheim, but I think they will do it against Kadari. So he's got to be smart, not get baited into those twos. But I think he'll, he'll get to five assists. And I hope because Beheim plays in more minutes. Yeah, the only thing that's going to hold him back, I think, from getting that number is minutes. And I, I think Beheim saw all he needed to see last game to, to get this kid the minutes. He's been hyping him up all season long. I mean, we talked about this in the preseason, how every single analyst in America was talking about how they loved, this program loves Kadari Richmond. So I think, yeah, he goes over that number. Remember, he played, how many minutes did he end up playing last game? Like 20-something. Only 20, 20s. I think. Yeah, yeah, like 20 on the dot, and he ends up with eight assists, and he's a pass-first guy. I don't think he's going to be baited into a, long, a lot of those long shots, so yeah, I'm going to go with the over here as well. Next up, Jesse Edwards coming off one of his best performances as a member of the Orange. Will he get in for over or under eight minutes in this game? I think Beheim will play him some. I, I genuinely hope he plays him some because we need him, especially with all the concerning stuff about Sidibe. Let's get him out there. Let's get him more run. I would play him over eight minutes, but I would guess that he'll be in for like five minutes. And if Marek gets in more foul trouble, probably more, but I'm going to assume that Marek doesn't get in foul trouble against a guard-oriented team. So you're going to roll with the under here. I'm actually going to I'm gonna take the over because I think there is potential for Marek to get in some foul trouble here. Just the way that Aluma, the, the number of possessions that he takes up I think that is sort of a, a bad thing for Syracuse in terms of, or at least for Marek, in terms of foul trouble. And I think maybe this is one of those things where where they really try to get him in and and try to get him some more runs, some more conditioning, some more confidence. So I'm going to roll with Jesse Edwards. All right, one of our favorite ones here. Who will lead Syracuse in scoring for this game? Let me run down the odds for you. Quincy plus 210, Buddy plus 215, JG3 and Alan Griffin each at plus 250. You want to get a little dicey here, Marek plus 380, and then of course, Kadari Richmond to round it out at plus 500. Where are you putting your money for this one? Tough one. I, I'll i go Quincy. I'll just ride him. He's the most consistent mm, gonna, guy on the team. I was thinking about it. Yeah, I, I don't really see... Buddy or Gerard doing, I mean, maybe like off of the COVID, now they're all good and maybe they'll continue to shoot better and better. But I just feel like if you're placing, if you bet Quincy every single time in this bet, over time, you'll probably end up making money. And I obviously won't stick to that because I, that'd be, require me to be too smart. I 
why would I do that? But yeah, I'll, I'll yeah, take. You got to dumb it up sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm leaning towards one of the guards here, and I'm gonna go with JG three. I just feel like he's he's on a mission now. Like it, he has been activated. The lineup is clearly in his favor when he is working as the two guard. So I, I'm gonna roll with JG three in this one just because. He he's gonna get a lot of opportunity, I feel like, off of screens, off of all that stuff, and he can he's gonna have some smaller guys on him defensively as well. All right, so Ken Palm in, in this matchup actually is predicting a Syracuse victory, believe it or wow. not, over Virginia Tech. It would be Syracuse's first ranked victory of the season, but he's got Syracuse winning this one, seventy-one to seventy. Do you like that prediction, or are you on the outside of it? I might surprise you here, Ty. I'm taking the Cuse. I, I looked into more of the matchup. Originally, I would have thought I would take Virginia Tech here when we got on here, but I don't know. I, I think if they just can prevent threes, if they can get Kadari to play a lot of minutes at the top of the zone, I feel good about what they figured out last game, where they realized that Jesse can give you some spot minutes potentially. Kadari is the best guy in terms of defender. We've known that all year, but... Maybe they rely on him a little bit more going forward and knowing the matchup here. I feel like it's very similar talent-wise. Mike Young's done a great job with this Virginia Tech team, but I like how Syracuse matches up. I like that they're at home. Virginia Tech's kind of due for a loss. Maybe you can make a case. I don't. I think they've sort of overachieved to be ranked 16th at this point in the season. And gosh, Syracuse is just due for some type of signature win. So this would be huge to get them back inside the bubble or at least on the bubble and I, I like their odds of winning one of the next two games, but definitely better odds of them beating Virginia Tech. Yeah, I saw they were Lenardi's next four out. Now, this was before the the Miami win, but yeah, they're they're kind of teetering with it once again. I'm actually, I'm, I'm with you. I think this is a let's game go. that Syracuse can, can win. All right, positivity pals, let's, let's load them up right here. I do think Syracuse can win this game. And again, it comes down to getting those rotations right and maximizing Kadari Richmond. And when I say maximizing Kadari Richmond, I don't just mean him going out there getting eight points, eight assists, five rebounds, and three steals. I'm When I say maximizing Kadari Richmond, that means setting Buddy up for good looks, setting Joe up for good looks, Allen up for good looks. And, I mean, we saw the sweet feed to, uh, to Quincy and to Jesse the other day, too. So I'm going to roll with, with the cues in this one. When you maximize Kadari, you're going to maximize your winning percentage. So... Give me, give me the orange in this one. And if the, the total is, like Ken Palm says, 141, where where do you lean on that? Is this going to be an over or under uh, uh, that number? I'll take an over. My only thing is, I'll say Syracuse wins at 73-68 if I have to put a score on it. I actually think if they win the game, though, they win it by about 10 or 12 because, I don't know, I have not gotten great vibes about this team in late-game situations. I know they have won some games, but it's been against inferior competition. The way they sort of just look tired against Rutgers and UNC, I I don't love how Bayheim's just riding the, the starters in the second half like he always has done. And I do think there's something to be said that they get a little bit more tired in the second half. And Virginia Tech's been in a lot of close games, and they've won a lot of close games, and they have that experience of winning them. So I think if Syracuse wins, they'll actually probably win rather easy like 10 points eight points something like that but i'll say they win by five just because I'll, I'll sort of split in the middle there and i'll take the over slightly on that number i'm actually i'm gonna go under i feel like if, if syracuse wins this game it's gonna be played in the the low the high 60s low 70s so i think this could be a a lower scoring game i'll go i'll go syracuse wins this one 
68 62 uh okay. is your final there so that puts me at a what is that 130 uh so yeah that that's the number i'm gonna feed at you now virginia tech this is the top team in terms of ken palm rankings that syracuse has faced thus far this season virginia tech checking in at 35th in the country right now so gonna be a, a good test for the orange a good barometer game for them and hey you can you can erase some of those losses uh earlier in the season because the way that Pitt's playing basketball right now, those aren't looking like awful losses. Now, losing to them twice kind of hurts, but it's it's certainly something to to monitor moving forward. You can erase some of those losses with a, a win against Virginia Tech. All right, let's lay out the schedule for you guys for next week because Tim and I are actually going to hop on a little early next week because Virginia Tech is the game on Saturday, the one that we're previewing today, but... It's a quick turnaround, big Monday game for the Orange. They take on Virginia on Monday. So we want to get you guys a full-fledged recap as well as a preview show. So we are going to actually recap and drop it on Sunday for you guys. And then our Virginia preview will be released on Monday. So be on the lookout for all of that. And then the rest of the week will fly pretty much as normal. We might take a day off, but we'll keep you guys posted on all of that. All right? So for Tim, I'm Tyler. Enjoy the game. Go Orange. And we will talk to you guys next week.